All right, way to go, getting out in the snow and the ice. I'm glad to see you guys today. Hey, we are concluding our I Am Strong series this week. We're in part five. I know it's been a series where God has been speaking to many of us, and I want to give you a few ways to continue in this. Next week, we'll be celebrating Easter. We won't be talking about this specific material anymore, but I want to let you know, if it's been encouraging you, a few ways you can keep going deeper. First, if you go to connectionpoint.org, and you click on any of the I Am Strong logos or go to connectionpoint.org slash I Am Strong. We have for you there all five of these messages, but we've got a bunch of other tools for you there as well. As you might know, this series is based on a book, and we've covered five parts in this series, but there's actually 17 chapters in this book. So if you want to go deeper, we have a free 119-page study guide. Here's a picture from the study guide. This is a full-color study guide, um, and for each chapter in the book, there's about a dozen questions that just help you process your own pain, your own struggle. So this is something you can use on your own. It's something you can use if you're in a group and you're thinking, what should we go through as a group? It's completely free, and again, it's at that same link, connectionpoint.org slash strong. We want you to be able to keep journeying deeper into this material. Well, I want to talk with you today about the times when you're struggling to believe in God, but you're wondering how could he possibly bring anything good from this pain or this suffering or this sickness or this evil. You know, I, I believe in God. I, I get some of these truths that we've learned. I know he's going to sustain me. I know he's going to deliver me, but I don't know how anything good could possibly result from this. And I want to tell you today a number of true stories that answer that question for us about our struggle. And the first one is a guy I met about 12 years ago. His name is Nick. Nick uh, grew up with an, a severe physical disability, just a deformed body. He was made fun of by a lot of his classmates in school to such an extent that by the time he got in high school, Nick was suicidal. He tried to take his own life, but he wasn't even able to do that and he was completely broken. He had no reason to keep living. And that's when Nick met Jesus. And after he started to believe in Jesus, Jesus started to transform Nick's identity and his soul from the inside out. Now, today, Nick is one of the funniest, most energetic, and most inspirational people you'll ever meet. But you wouldn't have ever guessed that when he was in high school. He's living proof of God taking a person's tragedy and turning it into triumph because they surrender it into God's hands. Here's a picture of Nick. The first time I met Nick, uh, he was in a high school gymnasium of about 2,000 people. He hadn't actually written a book yet. He was kind of just getting going as a speaker. And Nick has no arms and no legs. And he used to say, no arms, no legs, no problems. <laughs> Life without limbs. And as Nick has surrendered his tragedy to God, he's found great triumph. Not only has it changed his outlook on life, but God is working in Nick and now through Nick to reach lots of other people. Here's a picture of Nick now with his family. This is a guy who used to be made fun of by all his classmates, thought there was no purpose for life, and now God's given him this beautiful family, even after lots of people, including doctors, said you could never have a normal life, you could never have a successful life, you could never have a family. Uh, here's a picture of Nick when he's on Oprah. If you ever want to Google Nick Vojcic, 
on Oprah, it's amazing because Oprah gives him this stage in front of millions of people and she essentially says, Nick, how were you able to overcome these odds? And Nick jumps up these steps, one step at a time, and one step at a time he says, it's because of God's power, it's because I believed in Jesus, and you can believe in Jesus too, and now God's using Nick to reach millions of people. Here's a picture of the kind of speaking events that Nick often has now, and you just see the massive crowds of people that God uses Nick to reach. Now this is a dramatic example but I want to tell you from God's word today that this same truth can be at work in your life. That your greatest tragedy, the, the place of your greatest pain can actually become your greatest triumph and the place of your greatest victory. So how do we do that? How could your tragedy possibly become your greatest triumph? If you're like me, you might look at a story like Nick's and think, well, that's good for those people out there. That's good for the people on Oprah or Dr. Phil. That's good for a guy who had no arms and legs. But I just feel a little more normal in my suffering. I feel a little more normal in my pain. There's nothing so dramatic about the cancer that I have. There's nothing so dramatic about the fact that I've lost my spouse and I'm a widow. There's nothing so dramatic about my story. I don't know how anything good could possibly come out of my tragedy. And if that's how you feel today, I want to take you into the Word of God. I want to show you some promises from God that apply to all of us. So that all of us, no matter what we're going through, can see our pain repurposed for good. And in our journey today, we're just going to look at some true stories. And the first one is a true story in Jesus' life. Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. And he had real pain and he had real struggle. And from his life, we're going to answer this question. So let's start in Matthew 26. And what we're doing is we're actually stepping into a real moment in history where Jesus is agonizing. He's deciding whether or not to go to the cross and take upon him the sins of the world. This took place, the story we're about to read, this took place the night before Jesus was crucified. There was a garden he would often go to, not the Olive Garden, but it was a garden on the Mount of Olives, and it was called Gethsemane. It was a place he would often go to to pray and wrestle through his emotions with God the Father, and we're going to join Jesus and the disciples in the moment of probably the greatest emotional agony in all of Jesus' life on earth. Here's how it starts. Then Jesus went with his disciples. Now, the disciples are down to 11. Judas has just betrayed Jesus and he's gone off to sell Jesus out. Jesus takes the 11 remaining disciples to this place called Gethsemane where he would often go to pray. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37, he took his three closest friends. Out of these 11, Jesus has three closest friends. There's Peter, James, and John. And Jesus, when he's in this deep, deep emotion, he, he takes his friends and then he takes his very closest friends and he says to them, uh, well, first of all, the text says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And, and before we speed on through the text, I just want to emphasize, here's almighty God. Here's the God who spoke the galaxies into existence. Here's the God who created the first man and the first woman, who created humanity. This is a God who answers to nobody. This is a God who never has to feel pain or sorrow or grief if he doesn't want to. 
And yet he has willingly chosen in the person of Jesus to become one of us. And we often focus on the cross. And next week at Easter, we'll focus on the reality that Jesus died in our place and he rose from the dead. But what I don't want us to skip over is the emotion, the human emotion that Jesus, being fully human, he was sorrowful and he was troubled. And we're going to see in the next verse, not just a little bit sorrowful, but actually here's what he says in verse 38 to his three closest friends. He says, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this position that Jesus is in right now. I don't know if you've ever been overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is describing an emotion that some of us in this room have have never had, but some of us have, where the sorrow is not just kind of on the side. The sorrow is not even just the main thing, but the sorrow is so heavy that the actual emotional grief feels like it's going to kill you. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he asks those three friends, so please stay close to me. Don't, Don't leave me right now. Going a little further, verse 39 says, he fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. Here's Almighty God. No force that could stop him. No weight that's too heavy for him. And yet he's willingly humbled himself. He's stepped down among us so he can feel what it feels like to feel your pain. So he can feel your suffering. And and as a human now, under the weight of that, willingly, the emotion is so heavy that his knees buckle and he collapses to the ground. He falls on his face. There will be a point in some of our lives where there's a phone call or there's an empty space in our lives or there's news from a doctor and the emotion so overtakes you that your knees buckle and you actually fall down. Here's Almighty God choosing to be Be in that moment so that he can know exactly what you feel like. Jesus is in his greatest agony. And we're going to see from his life how it becomes his greatest victory. And very simply, the answer is that he believes the father's plans and he places his suffering into the father's hands. And what we're learning today for you and for me in our moments and in our pains that seem like no good could come from this, what we're learning is that in God's hands, my greatest agony, your greatest agony, can actually become our greatest victories. Now, I know some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, okay, that sounds cute, that sounds nice, but I don't know how that could possibly be true in my actual situation. And before we go deeper into this truth, I just want to, I want to pause and make sure that we're connecting the dots, that we're not talking about other people, we're not talking about hypothetical, we're talking about the real pain in your life. What's the one thing in your life today that you feel like, I I know God's good and I know all the stuff we've learned in this series, but I don't know how God could possibly ever bring good from that situation. What's that situation in your life? You say, I don't know how God could possibly ever bring anything good from the fact that 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 son-in-law abandoned my daughter and my grandkids. 
I don't know how God could possibly bring good from that. The death of that loved one or that physical sickness, I don't know how God could possibly ever bring any good from that. And in the full emotion of that, God gives you this promise that is impossible as it sounds, as unbelievable as it sounds, if you will put into God's hands that pain, your greatest agony can, in God's hands, in time, become your greatest victory. Well, I want to give you three assurances from Jesus' time in Gethsemane. And the first is this, that Jesus has felt what you feel in your suffering. Jesus has felt what you feel in your suffering. We've learned in this series that thorns, God did not create this world to have thorns in it. We learned that when Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden, they invited in evil and death and pain and physical thorns, thistles, weeds. And what we're about to see in the next 24 hours of Jesus' life is that the Almighty God, who is perfect and without fault, is going to invite onto himself our thorns. Our thorns will be pressed into the tender skin of his brow. Our stakes will impale him to a torture device. And what Gethsemane shows us is that Jesus, he didn't only take our spiritual consequences, our justice and judgment, but he also has felt emotionally and even socially all the pain that we feel in surrendering our lives to God. Almighty God, and it's important for us to note, God chose to do this. He didn't have to, but he chose to. Just think about this as you, as you picture the darkness of Gethsemane and Jesus falling down on his face in prayer and wrestling in agony and saying, God, I, if there's any other way, I don't want to go to the cross. Here's almighty God in the person of Jesus and his friends who are there with him, they fall asleep while he's agonizing and he's alone. Almighty God's alone. Almighty God is crying. Almighty God is abandoned by his closest friends. Almighty God is shaking. Almighty God is physically overwhelmed by the emotion. He stumbled and fell and was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You need to know that the same Jesus you call out to in prayer, that same Jesus you call out to, he has felt what you feel. He's acquainted with grief. He's a man of sorrows. He has pleaded in frustration to God the Father asking for a different path. Three times he says, please let it be another way. He knows what it feels like to have grief and anxiety and emotion overtake you physically. Even as your faith is strong spiritually. Well, not only does Jesus' story assure us that God knows how our pain feels, but it also shows us that it's okay to agonize in surrendering your pain to God. That's the second assurance. Jesus agonized to surrender to the Father's plan. Sometimes we get this false idea that, you know, if our faith is strong enough, we'll never have low emotions. If our faith is strong enough, we'll never agonize. If our faith is strong enough, it'll just be, oh God, okay, it's easy to believe you. But here's Jesus who never sinned. 
Here's Jesus who is spiritually perfect. Here's Jesus who has a perfect faith. And he never doubts that God will bring good from it, but he's fully aware of what it's going to cost and how much it's going to hurt. And we see him agonizing to surrender. Not because he's sinful, but because of just how much it hurts. And you know what? For me in my Gethsemane, for you in your Gethsemane, that's a huge truth to know. It's normal to agonize. It's normal to struggle on your way to surrender. When Jesus fully feeling all we feel as human beings, he still chose to surrender his suffering into the Father's plan. And that's the third, the third assurance from Gethsemane. Jesus believed that his suffering would become a victory in the Father's hands. Now his belief doesn't mean that it was easy, but he believed. And, and for some of you today, this is the step in your, in your faith, in your journey with God, is to move from surviving your pain and at the beginning, it's about surviving. When you're standing at the graveside, when you're going through chemo, it's about surviving at the beginning. But God wants to grow you now out of elementary. He wants to take you to the next level where you start to realize your pain is more than something to be survived. It's something to be surrendered. And that if you surrender it into the hands of God, not only will he sustain you, not only will he get you through it, but he'll actually work good from it. Jesus believed that his suffering, though painful, would actually be used for good. And here's where that's recorded in the story. Verse 39, we saw the moment where Jesus falls with his face to the ground and he prays. And then he says this, Father, if it's possible, if there's any other way, remember humanity has been ripped away from God. Jesus came to restore us. And now this is the climax of the human story where God is going to reunite humanity and it requires God going to the cross in our place. And Jesus is there. He realizes what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. He realizes the physical pain, the social pain of being mocked and stripped naked and scorned by a whole city of people who are jeering at him. The spiritual pain of drinking the judgment of all of humanity. And he says, Father, if it's possible, if there's any other way to work good, then let this cup be taken from me. In other words, as a human being, Jesus did not want to go to the cross because of the suffering and the pain. He had emotions in him. He had survival instincts. He had pain sensors that said, I don't want to do that. And we know, as we learned with Paul's thorn in the flesh, three times Jesus prays this. Three times he says, Father, if there's any other way. But ultimately, three times Jesus says, not my will or desire, but yours be done. Father, here's, I, I don't know how you could possibly bring good. I don't, I even believe it, but I don't want to go through it. Nevertheless, not as I will, not at what I want, but what you want. Hey, here's what's incredible. When you go through the worst suffering of your life, Jesus knows how you feel. Not only that, Jesus knows what it is to say, God, I believe you can work good from this. Now here's where God's different from us. 
in our pain, if we had the option, if God said, I'm going to bring good from this, but if you want to get out of it, you can, most of us would say, I'll take the get out of it option. You realize Jesus had that option. He's still almighty God. He doesn't have to go to the cross. He has that option. God the Father is saying to him in human form, if you go through this, it will redeem all of humanity. And he has the option. He could say, thanks, no thanks. He could say, that sounds good, but I'll pass. But here's where Jesus' suffering is even more than anything we'll ever go through. He invites it. Not because he wants to, but because the Father promises that he'll bring good from it. And in the same way, as impossible as it sounds, we're learning today that in God's hands, your greatest agony can truly become your greatest victory. And, and that's, the key, that's the key difference. Will you place it into God's hands? Now, I want to show you briefly as a result of Jesus' obedience, as a result of him going to the cross, what is God going to do? How is God going to work good out of his suffering. And to summarize that, I want to tell you the human story as told by gardens. If you've got your notes, there's a chart on your notes, and these can be downloaded at the I Am Strong website. But here's a great summary of Genesis to Revelation, really of the whole human story. You can summarize it with three gardens. We've learned in our series about the Garden of Eden, where Satan deceived Right now, we're in this moment with Jesus where Jesus believed. Remember, it was all about, is God good? And Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, no, he's not. Despite all the evidence that God was good, they fell for the lie that he wasn't. Now, Jesus is in the exact opposite situation. All the evidence says that God's not good, and Jesus believes. And what happens as a result? Well, because he died on the cross for our sins, because he rose from the grave, we're told in the book of Revelation about a new Jerusalem. We often call it heaven. And what's interesting about the new Jerusalem is there's a garden. There's a river that runs down the middle. And on one side is the tree of life, which gives immortality to everyone who's there so that we never die. On the other side is a tree that's fruit, gives hope and healing to the nations. And every tribe and tongue and nation, people represented from all races and from all eras of human history will be there with God in a place where there will be no death and suffering. And this whole story can be summarized in these three gardens. Well, in Eden, thorns entered. In Gethsemane, God's going to have our thorns pressed into himself. And in the New Jerusalem, Revelation says there will be no more curse. There will be no more thorns. The picture continues. In Eden, pain entered. In Eden, pain entered. In Gethsemane and at the cross, God carried our pain. And in the New Jerusalem, Revelation says the tears will be wiped from our eyes. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. You see, it's because Jesus surrendered his agony to the Father that the new Jerusalem exists. And it's because of what Jesus did, because he trusted God to work good from his pain, that this is where all of us who trust in Christ will spend eternity. In Eden, death entered. In Gethsemane and at the cross, God took our death upon himself. He died in our place and then he rose from the dead, showing that he's more powerful and has defeated death. And in the new Jerusalem, there will be no more death. 
Finally, in Eden, humans were divorced from God. We were ripped away from God. We were split apart from God by sin and by evil. And in Gethsemane, Jesus, who is without sin and who is perfect and who is repulsed by evil and sin, he takes it upon himself so he can restore us to God. And in the new Jerusalem, God and humans will be together as God had initially intended it to be for all of eternity. If you want to go deeper, you can read these scriptures that summarize each of these gardens. And I would point you especially to Revelation 21 and 22, which is just this rich picture of this future state. And we could spend a whole series on these three gardens. But the point is, the third garden, the perfect garden, exists because Jesus surrendered his pain into the Father's purposes into the Father's hands and the Father's plans. And so I want to give you two affirmations now in your Gethsemane, with your pain. And the first one is this, you are destined as a follower of Christ, you're destined for more than just surviving your pain. You're destined for more than just surviving. Surviving's good, but God's got a lot more in store for you. Think of Nick Vujicic, who I told you about at the beginning, my buddy with no arms and no legs. God's plan for Nick was not just that Nick would survive, not just that Nick would make it through, but that as Nick surrendered his pain to God and said, God, I believe you're not the author of evil, but you can take evil and you can repurpose it for good. Now what is happening in Nick and through Nick is way more than just surviving. I want to tell you another true story about a close friend of mine named Joy. Joy was paralyzed about 20 years ago. And Joy's story, I call it living proof because Joy's alive today and I've, I've seen her and I've sat in her living room and I know her so well. She's living proof that our most unthinkable pain can be repurposed for unimaginable good when we turn to God I want to tell you Joy's story, but her daughters tell it best. So here's Joy's two daughters telling you her story of pain surrendered.
talking to me It's the age of princesses and pirate ships And the seven dwarfs Daddy's smart and you're the prettiest lady In the whole wide world And now I know why All the trees change in the fall I know you were on my side Even when I was wrong And I love you for giving me your eyes For staying back and watching me shine And I didn't know if you knew So I'm taking this chance to say That I had the best day So, yeah, you just saw a true story of an amazing woman. Uh, if you didn't catch all the details, Joy and her kids, they were on a family vacation. They had rented this house overlooking a cliff. And as Joy and her husband were doing the final paperwork, they looked back and the SUV they had rented starts rolling toward the edge of the cliff. Joy runs to the SUV, the side she's on, the doors are locked, she can't get into it, and she sees the edge of the cliff coming and the vehicle's trajectory, and with her mother's instinct, she just runs around to the front of the vehicle, and with everything she has, tries to stop this rolling SUV. It rolls over her body, and her body acted as a speed bump just enough to slow it down that the grandpa was able to jump in the driver's door, slam on the emergency brake right before the vehicle went over the edge. Joy was airlifted out, and it's a miracle that she even survived, but she's lived the last almost 20 years now in a wheelchair. And Joy's story of suffering is not one of just one moment of suffering, but every day waking up in this new reality where her legs don't work and multiple, multiple surgeries, continued suffering through the surgeries where um, one time a physician left some of the medical equipment inside of her during a surgery and she had a terrible infection and spent almost a year in the hospital with an infection. Her suffering has gone on and on. I reached out to Joy when I first saw that video and would you be surprised to learn that she's a follower of Jesus? Would you be surprised to learn that when I said, hey, why were you able to turn such a tragedy into a triumph for your kids and everyone who knows Joy? Here's a picture of, of Joy, of me and Joy hanging out. I mean, she's just the real deal. Her parents named her right, Joy. And, and I remember as she started to tell me about her faith in Jesus saying, how, how, I mean, on the daily basis, how does this actually work? And I've sat in Joy's living room and she's described for me, I mean, even within recent years, times where she gets up in the middle of the night and maybe falls off of her wheelchair and she has to drag herself across the bathroom floor and times of just laying on the bathroom floor, sobbing in tears. The pain is real. The suffering is real. And yet somehow she's able to keep turning it into a triumph and becoming this more beautiful person and somehow becoming a more powerful influence for good in her kids and everyone around her. And here's how Joy, the first time I asked her that question, here's how she answered. She said, there was a time where I wasn't doing well. She means emotionally. 
There was a time where she was depressed about a year or two after the accident. She said, I realized that God was there. She said, I never stopped believing God was there. And I even realized that he could bring good from it. And that might be where some of you are. But here's the key, Joy says, I had to allow it and welcome the good. In other words, God, if you want to bring good through my suffering, I'm going to unlock that door. I'm going to surrender it into your hands and I'm going to let you I'm going to invite you to work good through this. I asked Joy on this visit to New Mexico to hang out with her, sitting in her living room. I said, Joy, I've heard you say before, if you could go back, that you wouldn't change what happened to you. But honestly, I don't believe you when you say that. If that's true, tell me why you wouldn't go back and change the accident. She said, John, the day that accident happened, I was healthy and I was fit and I looked pretty on the outside but I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was gonna spend eternity. I didn't know God. And I was a bitter, jealous, insecure person on the inside. She said, now my body's broken and I can't walk. And I have surgeries every few months. But inside, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know God, I know where I'll spend eternity. And I have a security inside that now allows me to believe in other people and help other people. And Joy said, here's the transformational moment. She says, I can truly say the blessings of being paralyzed in a wheelchair have far outweighed the negative. But she says this, it wasn't until I welcomed God to bless us through something that was so difficult. It was then that our family began to heal. Let me read that part again, because that's the key. That's what we're learning today. It wasn't until I welcomed God to bless us through the difficulty that our family began to heal. In God's hands, your greatest agony can become your greatest victory. In God's hands, joy's greatest tragedy has become a triumph that has inspired and changed her kids Me, thousands of other people who know her. And you need to know in your suffering, you're destined for more than just surviving. And here's the second thing you need to know. You will achieve your greatest purpose in life. Joy is achieving her greatest purpose now. You will achieve your greatest purpose when you surrender your greatest pain into the plan, into the hands of the greatest power. You'll find you're not just going to survive your pain. Your pain is going to lead to your greatest purpose and your greatest fulfillment when you surrender it to God. Jesus illustrates this when he prays three times, Father, if there's any other way, and he finally surrenders to God. And what happens as a result? All of humanity gets restored to God. His greatest pain surrendered into the most powerful force in the universe. You know, we all, let me give you a physical example of surrendering to a power that's greater than yourself, okay? Uh, When you fly on an airplane, you are stepping into a power that's greater than yourself. Now, if you're like me, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I don't love flying. I like driving better because I can have my hands on the wheel and I can be in control. Anyone relate to that? Or anyone have someone like that in the family? Us control freaks? Okay, I would rather be in control. But if I surrender to something that's a greater force than than me, 
it can take me places I could never take myself. For example, I can't drive to London. But if I'll surrender to a greater power, an airplane that can fly me there, I can get there. But I have to surrender to a power that can take me places I could never take myself. Do you understand that in the physical realm? That's the same in the spiritual realm. If you want to cling to your pain and just keep it to yourself for the rest of your life, you might survive. But it's not going to take you anywhere great. It's when you surrender your pain into the hands and the plans of a God who's not against you, but who can take your pain and turn it around and work it for good. He will take you places you could never take yourself because of your pain. He will do in you what you could never do in yourself and it will happen because of your pain. He will do through you for others what you could never do for your kids, for your grandkids, for lots of other people and it's gonna happen because your greatest agony has been surrendered to the greatest power in the universe. On Tuesday, I met with a brother in our church. We prayed together and we cried together because during this series, as we're learning about our pain, he's found out that he has a tumor in his brain. Now, the tumor's not cancerous, but this is a guy who's gotta go in on April 12th for a surgery hours and hours long where they know most likely there will be some symptoms even if everything goes perfectly because of how they have to move things around in his brain. And I sat with this brother and we talked together and what was so inspiring to me is, is he's right here, he's among us. And he said, John, based on everything we're learning, what God's doing in my life, I know that God didn't send this into my life but I know that God can work it for good. Here's a guy, this young, beautiful family. And here's his biggest prayer. He says, John, I'm praying that God will use this to reach some of my coworkers and some of my relatives who are far from God or not as close to God as I'd like them to be. And what he's doing is he's surrendering his pain into the hands of one who can work good from his pain. And I know, because I've seen it in Joy's life, in Nick's life, in my life, and most importantly, we've seen it in Jesus' life, that God will work good from it. Here's how we summarize everything we're learning. My greatest contribution in life just might result from my greatest pain surrendered. Your greatest contribution in life, this is a paradigm shift. Your great, the greatest thing you do in life might not come from your highlight reel. It might come from your deepest suffering, from your deepest pain when you surrender it into the Father's hands. My prayer for you today, I, I know this is one of these that the reason we end the series here and not begin it is if you just read that and you're in the middle of suffering, you think, there's no way. And if that's what you're feeling right now, that's, that's normal. That's part of why we do this at the end of the series. Because <laughs> it seems unbelievable. But I have to tell you, I've seen it in Nick's life. I've seen it in Joy's life. We know it because of Jesus. We've got this brother in our church right now walking through it. And I started the series by telling you about a medical condition in my own life, which is so tiny compared to joy, compared to Nick, compared to what Jesus went through, compared to our brother who has the brain tumor right now. But I told you about the 
neurological condition I have where I get these stroke-like episodes on occasion and, and I can't control when they come and don't know what the lifelong implications will be if they get worse. They've been getting better lately. I haven't had one in almost two years now. But it's because of that pain that, that this book happened and this series happened. And because of this book, almost every week I get emails from all around the world of people who either have an MS diagnosis or they've lost a loved one or they have cancer and they're saying, thank you for writing that. Because of that, I'm getting through it. And here's the thing, my pain's pretty small, but all I did was surrender it into the hands of one who can work good from anything. And I guess I just want you to know today that as impossible as it seems, what you're going through right now, if you'll surrender it into God's hands, he will work good from it in you, make you a better version of yourself and through you to reach and encourage and shape your kids, your grandkids, people you might not ever even realize you're impacting. So I wanna pray that for you today if I could. Father, we thank you. These promises are heavy, but we thank you that they're real. Jesus, we thank you that you chose to go through Gethsemane and you recorded it in scripture so we can see that you agonized. You were overwhelmed with sorrow. And Lord, it wasn't unspiritual that you asked the Father three times, is there any other way? And God, in this room, I know there are struggles and there are difficulties. That good people who love you are saying, God, I don't know if I can make it. God, there's gotta be some other way. And Lord, I pray today that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them a hope. And that today, Lord, they would choose to believe that they're destined for more than just surviving. But like our sister Joy, like our brother Nick, like our brother right now who's gonna have surgery on April 12th, Lord, if we surrender our greatest pain into your hands, you can work it for triumph and victory in ways that we can't even imagine. So God, in this room, will you help our unbelief? And like Jesus, where surrendering to you is agonizing, will you just give us the faith and the strength to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And I'm gonna move today from just surviving to believing that you will bring good through this in me and through me. Jesus, as we prepare to take communion now, we just wanna, we wanna remind ourselves it's because of what you did in Gethsemane, because you surrendered your pain, that we have eternal life with you, that we have hope in this life because of you. So Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We pray it all in your name.